Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I'm going to read this morning from one of my favourite psalms, Psalm 42. It may be familiar to you. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise amongst the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Let's pray. Father, I'd ask that uh, in this moment you would lead us by your spirit to have, as we heard last week, those ears to hear the truths of the kingdom and your reality that is breaking into our lives in this moment. Take our heads and our hearts into the reality that as we sit here listening to this, that we are inextricably linked to something beyond ourselves. Be real to us this morning, Father, as you speak to us. And as we hear from this passage, we yearn to encounter you deeper. Meet us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about, as we finish this series, future-proofing your soul. Future-proofing your soul. It's a weird phrase or a weird way to say it, but I want to talk about future-proofing Your soul. Now, when I talk about that way, I'm not talking about in the salvation sense. It's not going to be one of those messages that says, believe in Jesus and you won't go to hell. I'm not talking about that type of future proofing, or that is one of the great truths of the scriptures. I'm talking about what we build now that will last for eternity. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what do you take to heaven with you when you go? Last time I checked... It's a new body from him because we're Christians and we believe in a resurrected bodily Jesus. A new body and the same soul. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? A new body and the same soul. It means that whoever you are now, whoever you are building now, whoever you have become now, whoever you are becoming between now and 80-ish is what you take into all eternity. I don't know about you, but for some people, that could be a really scary thought. <laughs> but on the, in, the, in the positive sense, it, it means that there are things that we can be doing now to be pre- preparing for all eternity, because as we've been saying in this series, that your life, the bookends of your life are not from birth to death, but it's from everlasting to Everlasting. And so the human soul, which is a whole other message in and of itself, a soul, by the way, is that part of you that just senses, whether you're a Christian or not, that you matter more than matter. You don't have to be a Christian to have this concept of a soul. There's something, can I push you, that if you're not yet a Christian, you would fight against this notion that somehow you're just a bunch of atoms that somehow miraculously came together and are floating around the sun for 80 years and eventually going to collapse back into a star and then that's it. There not there a sense within us that we matter more than matter, that there's something that we're going to, that there's something that, that will exist in us for 
forever. And so what we build now lasts forever, which means the human soul is something that needs to be tended, otherwise it shrivels. It's like a garden. I almost imagine that your soul is like this garden that if we chuck all this rubbish into it, like we're going to get there before Jesus and there's going to be all this trashy garden, you know, like an inner city unit block that's got a few cigarette butts in there and a little bit of uh, wrappers from a Chico roll or something like that just sort of stuck there. Like that's not the kind of soul that I want to present to Jesus when I get to meet him. (laughs) Right? What you are building now in and of yourself lasts for eternity. I bet that's exactly how you thought about when you woke up this morning. You thought, I'm going to go build me a soul. I'm going to, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to build me a soul. You know I'm, I, I'm just going to get rid of the Chico roll wrappers. We don't, we don't, we don't think like this. And I think um, uh, we can either learn the easy way or the hard way. That's what Liz said in her story this morning. I prefer to learn the easy way. I also learn these things the hard way. And I think I'd shared with you guys... My learning lessons about what we're going to speak on this morning, I shared that with you a couple of years ago. And when I shared it, like, some people were horrified that I had had shared it. You know, they were quite mystified that I had shared it. But I had shared with you a couple of years ago that when I went on long service leave, you know, I thought it would be a good idea, because I was on long service leave from being a pastor, that I would just not read my Bible for three months, that I would not pray, you know, because I'm a pastor and I'm on holidays. So I deserve not to do the godly things. And so I was just, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to think about him. God was back there at Northside, carefully being looked after by everyone else here. I'm on long service leave. I'm not thinking about him. I deserve it. And what happened when I came back, because I was in this um, crisis when I came back, because that, that weight of living that life, certainly not only as a pastor, but as a Christian, came back on me. And, and I reached a point in my spiritual life where it's what the psalmist talked about, that I was spiritually dry. That I was, I was thirsting for God. And suddenly that terrifying moment where you're like, I, you know, I, I want God. I need God. How do I get up in front of you to do this? I was yearning for it, and it was like I couldn't even take him in. You know, like if someone's dying of thirst, you know, one of the characteristics of dying of thirst is that just you, ta- you lose your taste buds. Like everything was tasteless. You know, the worship, like, just wasn't hitting me. Um, relationships weren't hitting Nothing, the Bible wasn't hitting It's like I couldn't taste God anymore. And so I was, I was parched and in this, this, this bind. And, and here's where I think it's... I guess why I'm telling the story, a couple of key reasons. I think at least today, if you're that one person that's turned up this morning and you feel terrified because you think, you look around you and you go, you know, what if everyone else finds out where I'm really at with the Lord? You know, they're going to think I'm not a good Christian. They're going to think I'm a sinner. They're going to think that I'm, I'm bad and stuff. I just want to at least show you today that even the pastors go through what we're going to talk about this morning. I also say it to go... <laughs> to encourage you that you don't pay me to sit on a rock and read books and read my Bible. (laughs) That my personal responsibility to steward my soul is not part of my job description with a Northside logo on top of it. It's something that he calls you and I to do, that we each have a personal responsibility, not a job, to encounter him, to be ready to encounter him. And so I'm thankful that by his grace, and can I say that it's been a, a two-year process of re-engaging in that way 
to get back there, particularly after all that we've been through. But here's, here's why I want to talk about this too, is because I think there's a condition that's starting to emerge that I'm seeing partially, not just in our churches, but talking to a lot of people, and I don't know if you're sensing this. I'm calling it not long COVID, but long lockdown. And it's this weird, you know, you can either put your hand up or you can nod or whatever in your own way, but... But correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm sensing with people that we're in this type of year where we're talking about New Year's resolutions and the year's getting started and we're out of lockdown and we all should be ready to go and school's amping up and we should be doing stuff and we should be getting active and then people are just feeling exhausted. I think it's long lockdown. And for some of us, I think it's possible that when we've gone into the very real human sense of the crisis of just trying to survive a lockdown and a pandemic and kids and life and all, like it's been hard. I've spoken to people, it's, it's been hard. I'm not trying to convict you here. But as we've gone through that, we've overlooked the tending of our souls and wonder why God feels tasteless, wonder why it feels like such a grind to get back into church, why it feels like a grind to do the very things that we're going to talk about this morning. So at the least, you're not alone in all of this, and at least it's biblical, because this writer here from the Psalms, we're, we're told, they say, they, we, we, we were told here that I used to go leading the procession into the house of God, the psalmist says. So this psalmist, the title of the psalmist here says, the Psalms of the sons of Korah. So this isn't David in this section of the Psalms. It's, it's a title of the sons of Korah. It was a musician. So what we're listening here is like the worship pastor here. You know, this is the worship pastor of the temple here. You know, skinny jeans, cool hat, the whole lot, right, Mernsey? <laughs> Leather jacket, the whole thing. But in here, we, verse 6, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mizar. There I will remember you. There, here we have this worship pastor, a paid minister, one who is responsible for doing all that ministry, thinking about all those great times that they would worship with the Lord and they're feeling spiritually dry. And so there, if it's you this morning, if you feel depressed, if you feel down, if you feel exhausted, can you praise God this morning because you can go, it's biblical. <laughs> it's biblical. It's not what I call McDonald's Christianity. It's praise Jesus. You know, like a, like a, a girl or guy at the McDonald's counter. It's not that type of Christianity. It's all fine. It's all good. No, they're downcast, they're spiritually depressed, they're thirsting for God. And ironically, this condition of the psalmist, that's a condition of a believer. This happens to believers. And the reason it happens to believers is what we want to share this morning. And I don't know about you, are you guys okay if you just learn from my mistakes? Are you all right with that this morning? <laughs> I figure if I'm dumb enough to do the dumb things, then let's learn from Sam's dumb things. But I was thinking there are, there are four to five different things that happen in this passage that are the surefire way to move you into a place of spiritual dryness. So I've got to be really clear. It's got to come with a little warning sign up here. Like if, you know, don't, oh, don't say, oh, this is good. Write it down. And do, like, don't do this this morning. <laughs> don't do this if you're the enthusiastic ones. These are the surefire ways to move yourself into what I call soul atrophy. That to, you know, atrophy with your muscles if you don't use them and they just start to disintegrate and get weak. Soul atrophy, the five things. Here's the first one. You ready for it? The first surefire way, as I learned when I went on long service leave, that you get soul atrophy is that you go into exile. 
It says here, how, how I used to go into the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And see, this is the question here, isn't it? That's a question of our society at the moment. Why should we go to church to go to a building to worship God? Why can't I just worship God on a rock? Why can't I just worship God in my favourite cafe? And I know at the risk of sounding passive-aggressive, manipulative, whatever term you want to use, you cannot develop a strong encounter with the living God if you are a lone ranger. You just can't do it. You can't do it. And we heard that from Ellen last week, so I don't need to push the point. In other words, there's this condition going on because the psalmist is in exile for some reason, and they're in this con condition of spiritual atrophy. I call it CDS, is my technical term, community deprivation syndrome, right? And they were in exile. They were deprived of community. And positively, you see the impact of community. In fact, um, one, of, one of our guys, Joel Ramirez, has written a book on the significance of community. And um, I'm so proud of him with, with what he's done. And he's with us this morning. And I don't want to um, embarrass him too much. Um, but his book, Better Together, which I encourage you to um, look up and have a read and on the online forum if you can put the links to joelramirez.net. Um, but I love what Joel says here at the beginning of his book in terms of his journey into community where he said, I found myself coming to church by accident when I met my first group of friends in Sydney. And by accident, I mean I thought I was going to some place to watch a band play. <sighs> And they introduced me to their friends and they invited me into their homes and we got to do life together and support and encourage one another. And for the first time in a long time, I felt happy again. And as a result of the flourishing community around me, I began to flourish too. My mindset and outlook on life changed. And then he goes on and says, as an aside, this isn't about me pushing for church specifically as a solution for everyone. What I am emphasising is the importance of building your personal community and our need for a more connected society to help combat loneliness and its unwanted effects. Community deprivation syndrome. Don't place yourself into exile. And, you know, of course we have our online communities and the rest of it, but we know there is nothing like being together with one another, uh, being in community together to come back into the festive throng. And I think the nuance of the festive throng of what's happening at the moment with community is this as well. As there's been this great shaking of the church, and we see and sense it this morning, it's quite possible for you to have gone to a church for years and find yourself in exile. And I'll tell you why this is. It's because what happens every now and then in these high transition areas, and I, I can't, I just have never seen in our history the amount of people moving out of the lower North Shore of Sydney in its history. It's a unique time. Or going to the country. Like, we've almost got an entire community group that's moved to Orange. <laughs> it's the new Northside Orange satellite out there, right? But as that happens, what some of you are going to find, you're going to find yourself in exile. Because those who you've been used to going to the festive throng with, and it's some of the grief for you guys, those faces that you used to see, those friendships that you've developed aren't there anymore. As everything's shifted and shuffled around, as attendance patterns change, and you don't know who's going to be at church when on a Sunday. Are they online? Are they here? Where are they? And what it's going to mean for you is to come out of exile, it's probably going to mean for the first time in a long time for some of you, you need to actively rebuild your community, your people because we're better together. Last plug. 
It's great, man. So proud of you. Exile. If you want spiritual atrophy, exile. Just keep staying in your own little space. Here's, here's the other surefire way towards spiritual atrophy, and it's enemies. And the question that kept coming from the psalmist was, at the psalmist was, where is your God? Where is God? Where is your God? Where is your God? See that in the psalm? Underline it. And here's the thing. It's very easy to become vulnerable when God becomes inexplicable. It's very easy to become vulnerable when God becomes inexplicable. I see this all the time as a pastor. Can't tell you how many stories I've seen of people who came to Jesus in wonderful and miraculous ways and then they lose a relationship or then they lose their job or then they have personal struggles that happen. I've literally had people sitting in my office and they've been baptised in that baptistry and six months later, tragedy struck their life and they go, it's not fair, where is God in all of this? And I'm kind of like in my head that I don't say to them, well, hang on, like, like God was everywhere six months ago. <laughs> what do you think's happened with God? But it's this spirit of accusation that often can come from the devil. It can spirit of accusation that can come from the inside in you where you're constantly telling yourself that you're not good enough or God's not working in all of this. But more broadly, there's this area of vulnerability that's happening in the church at the moment. When I say enemies, I think it's the comments from friends of ours and from the media and family. And we've kind of got ourselves to blame because... Part of what I see over the years in Christianity is if you do Christianity long enough and you stay in church long enough, the problem with Christians is that we do really stupid things. <laughs> right? Can I get an amen? Christians, we just do dumb things. We hurt each other. We say stupid things. We say stupid things in public. We make stupid statements. All of you, I'm sure, go into workplaces where a Christian somewhere that's got nothing to do with your church has said something stupid. And people go, I, if you guys can say that sort of stuff and do that sort of stuff, where the heck is your God in all of this? Enemies, they come at you and all by yourself, that can plunge you into spiritual darkness. Enemies, be on the lookout for that. It's there. Where's your God? You need to be conscious of that. Here's another way that you can get yourself straight to spiritual atrophy. Atrophy. Uh, employment, or more specifically, unemployment. I just tried to rhyme the E's, so bear with me. <laughs> tried everything I could. But the psalmist says, that when I used to, underline, lead the festive throng. Part of what was making the psalmist feel dry is they had withdrawn from service. And we've just seen a wonderful Northside story that I don't need to repeat to show you the power of, of service. But here's the thing. Spiritual atrophy can, can occur not just from a lack of input, but actually can occur from a lack of output. We heard it so beautifully from what Liz said. She said before, when, before she was serving, it was all about me. It was all about me, 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 me. I buy issues. What a brilliant work of the Holy Spirit to align those things for us this morning. And that's what I've found personally. You know, as Paul says in Acts 20, more blessed is it to give than to receive. And I think the reason for that, as Liz showed us, is that something miraculous happens in the giving out of yourself and the pouring out of yourself in service and engaging in the throng that suddenly lifts you out of your own self-pity and up into God. Right? Sometimes simply it's just hearing someone's story and being able to come back for it and say, Lord... Thank you that, that I'm doing okay compared to what they're going through at the moment. Employment. And by the way, as a pastor, you know exactly the way when someone's in spiritual trouble 
is when they withdraw, when they take themselves off the roster, when they don't serve. <laughs> I've, got to be, I've got to be so careful how we craft this again this morning at this time of year, <laughs> right? Please know my heart in this. This is what we see, but nine out of ten times, the minute someone withdraws from serving and giving and outputting, nine out of ten times, they're out. Spiritually dry. So, enemies, not just enemies, but through to employment, disengaging. Here's another interesting quick one. Another surefire way to spiritual atrophy, eating. And what I mean by this, it says here, verse 42, uh, chapter, chapter 42, verse 3 of the Psalms, my tears have been my food day and night. What it means is that the psalmist, if tears are their food, the psalmist is not eating. Their tears have been their food day and night. See, what, see the picture that they're saying here? I've been up all night crying. Who's been in that place in the middle of spiritual darkness? I'm tired, I'm hungry, I've been crying all night, I'm depressed, I'm downcast, I'm lonely. You know, one of my favourite stories of the scripture is that second, that, that story in 1 Kings 18.19 where Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you know that big story? He calls down fire on the prophets of Baal, he smokes them. Like, yeah, take that, Jezebel. Jezebel comes after him and, uh, and he's running scared for his life and he gets down under a tree and he's literally suicidal. He's depressed and suicidal. He says, Lord, you know, take my life from me. And he falls asleep and he wakes up to an angel serving him breakfast. I always like to joke, you know what they served him for breakfast? Angel cake. <laughs> Sometimes... All you need for an encounter with God is a sleep and a snack. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes you just need a sleep and a snack. Because this is the thing that gets me as a pastor, is you get people, you know, and someone's feeling downcast and depressed. And you know what? Some people, you know, one of the dumb things that we say as Christians all the time, if people are downcast in their spiritual walk, oh, you must be in some kind of sin. What, what are you hiding from us? No! <laughs> I'm just depressed. I'm just, I'm just exhausted. Living through a pandemic. I'm just tired. <laughs> I love God, but I'm just tired. <laughs> right? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, does someone hold the view that as long as you're a Christian, it doesn't matter what the condition of your body is? What's interesting is he's a pastor, but he's also a medical doctor. He says, well, you'll soon be disillusioned if you believe that physical conditions play their part in all of this and it's very difficult to draw the line. Look, guys, sometimes there are just certain physical ailments which tend to promote depression and spiritual depression. You know that. And can I say as your pastor, there are some of you in trying to survive this long lockdown, you know in your heart of hearts that you're self-medicating. We joke about it on forums we think if we just do a little bit of it, it's not, if, we just, if we just have a glass here or there, that somehow that's not going to affect our spiritual life. It's got to be an aspect where we say, like, enough. It's, it's, a, it's affecting our walk in all of this. And I leave that between you and the Lord, whether it's the glass or whether it's the chocolate box. It matters. It matters. And there's a spiritual dynamic underneath all of that. But more positively... If you're exhausted, sometimes you just need to sleep and a snack. Take a day off work. 
Do what you've got to do to be refreshed. Finally, this is the last one, enigma, mystery. My soul thirsts for God. When can I go and meet with God? What do I mean by enigma, a mystery? Sometimes there's no sin. Sometimes there's no lack of discipline. Sometimes there's no spiritual loneliness. Sometimes there's no exile. Sometimes there's no accusation. Sometimes I'm doing all I can to serve. Sometimes there's no physical problems. Sometimes God just lets you have a dry time. I don't know why. It's a mystery. The old Catholics and the Anglicans called it um, the spirit of desertion. And all I've got to say to you if you're in that space this morning is just because it doesn't feel like God isn't working doesn't mean that he isn't. What's that song we sing in worship, Bernsey? You know, I know you're working even though you are working. You never stop, you never stop. Way mate, yeah, okay. You know that one? Right? You can tell why I'm not on worship team. <laughs> Vocals at least. McNally. Jazz piano. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's working. More positively, if you're cut up because you're getting cut up about the fact that he's not working, often the feeling of his absence is a sign of his presence. Hey, think about this. The truly lost soul no longer wants to want God anymore. So if you want God like this, this psalmist this morning, if you want to be with him, you want to encounter him, you're not lost. You're just in, as Muhammad Ali would say, you're just in a wrestle. You're just having a wrestle with him. You're encountering him because there's no way your heart would want to know God. The truly lost soul is off having smashed avocado and hasn't thought about God for the last six months, six years, 30 years. And the most dangerous space may never think on him again in their lifetime. All right, as we finish, for all you Nate takers, you know when you get those types in church, they're like, hang on, you've been telling us all the ways to get into spiritual atrophy. Can we just be positive here? Like, what can I do? I can see there's a few of the note takers that are like, okay, where are my three points that I'm taking away, Sam? Okay, here they are. What do you do? Because, you know, I don't know about you, but when God's absent, you know, I whinge, I cry, I gossip, (laughs) I get dirty, I get frustrated, I stop praying, I withdraw. What does the psalmist do? Verse 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. All the points are in that verse, straight from the scriptures there. Here's the first thing you do, you preach to yourself. (laughs) If you're feeling downcast, you talk to yourself. You know, most, as Dallas Willard said, most days you get up, you know what? When most days you get up, you can either spend the day listening to your soul or talking to your soul. I've said it before, when I wake up, my soul is already talking to me before I wake up. And it's normally bad news, right? You've got to talk to your soul. No soul, that's what he's doing. Why are you downcast? Then the second point, put your hopes in God. Analyze your hopes. Am I downcast because there's been something that's been stripped from me that really was my true hope and not the Lord? Analyze your hopes. And then the third one, and the most vital, and some of you have done it this morning, and I'm so proud of you. Some of you are thinking about doing it. Come on, this is it. What do you do? Verse 5, and I will yet praise him. What does this mean? It means even though I don't feel like I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And some of you are already doing it at this time of the year. In fact, you're paying hundreds of dollars to go and do this. You've all gone out and you've bought gym memberships. And you're like, this is the year I'm going to get fit. And I don't feel like I want to do it, but I'm going to do it. That's what they're saying here. Get a gym membership. This is what you do. And look at the least, if all of that feels too active for you this week. Can I just encourage you as we finish this morning? 
just take those first four verses of this psalm and just pray it to him. Pray it to him. Pray it to him. Exile, enemies, unemployment, eating, enigma, they're all pathways to where we're going. But who would ever thought that when you leave this morning, the person that you are becoming today is a part of the person that you will become for all eternity. So steward your soul well. Future proof your soul well. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Father, lift each of us up to you. That this would be a space now as we head to communion that you would fill each of us anew and afresh this morning, Lord. If there are those that are far from you and wish to reconnect with you, Lord, would you meet them this morning with something happen? Father, as we've prayed before we've begun this morning, would your Holy Spirit have been bringing words and seeds of life and hope to our lives. I commit each and every one of us to you within the sound of my voice, whether it's now or whether this is a Wednesday morning on a YouTube channel on the train. The great truth of this morning and this moment is, Lord, that you are ready to meet us that moment that we are ready to reach out to you. Pray that be true for each of us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. On the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. <laughs> wonder if he was referring back to this psalm. He said, give me a drink, and the soldiers gave him vinegar. The truth is, because he took that cross for us, when we say to him, I thirst, we'll instead get a cup that we drink from this morning of juice. So if you're a follower of Jesus, it's that opportunity to encounter him afresh and anew. It's part of the discipline of that re-engagement, that if your mind has not been in that place, that we'd focus our mind on him. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that's cool. You don't have to do the communion thing with all of us. If you're watching at home, we'd encourage that you just stay with us long enough to think upon these sorts of things. Exile, enemies, enigma, employment, eating. <laughs> these are not just Christian things. These are thing things. You matter more than matter. It's a great truth of what you'll discover if you stay here long enough. It's what we remember now as we take communion. They are back. Are you part of the family and had it on your heart to get more involved at Northside, but you're not sure where to start? Well, we'd love to help. Send us an email at iwanttoserve at northsidechurch.org.au today.